Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Today we're concluding our series called 21 Days of Change. Pastor Nicole has been looking specifically at how prayer and fasting unlocks God's plans for us. To do that, we've looked at four different people from the Bible and the effect fasting and prayer had in their stories. In the first week, Pastor Nicole looked at Nehemiah and examined what it means to fast for change in our lives. Then Pastor Daniel Brooker examined fasting for healing in the Old Testament story of Daniel. Last week, Pastor Nicole looked into fasting for clarity, and we looked at the story of Ezra. She shared how fasting can help us surrender our problems to God so he's free to move in our lives. Today, we're concluding by examining how fasting and prayer opens us up to receive more of God. Pastor Nicole is going to show us what we need to do to see revival happen in our lives. So let's get started and conclude our 21 Days of Change series. Here's Pastor Nicole. Over the course of these 21 Days of Change, we've been looking at four biblical examples and one real-life example of how God uh, can use fasting and 21 days of fasting to help change things. We started with Nehemiah. Pastor Daniel talked about the character of Daniel. Last week we studied Ezra. And today we're going to look at another Old Testament man named Samuel. Now, uh, revival, uh, Samuel in the scripture was the one who really helped revival come to the tribe that he was leading. Now, one of the most remarkable periods in church history was in the early 18th century. And there was this wave of religious enthusiasm in America. In fact, people called this time in history the First Great Awakening. Have you heard of the First Great Awakening? All right, so George Whitefield, maybe that name rings a bell. He came from England. He helped many people convert to Christianity. Jonathan Edwards was a key leader in this movement. And during this time, people pulled away from ritual and religion, and the Great Awakening made faith personal to every person. Jonathan Edwards fasted once 24 hours before he preached a famous sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Some believe that sermon sparked the Great Awakening in New England. You see, Edwards didn't hold back on the realities of heaven and hell in this message. He laid it out as it is. It also was 55 minutes. I tell you that to appreciate me, okay? Because he said a lot of things in that moment. But what he did, the powerful way that he talked about, was that revival can come, revival can come to people who are hungry for a move of God. Now, that word revival, uh, it's kind of like a buzzword in the church. Sometimes we don't know what, exactly what that means. In fact, if I say revival to you, you probably have a different picture than the person next to you and the person next to them. Revival means all kinds of things. But ultimately, it can be defined as this, God pouring himself out on his people. Revival means God pouring himself out on his people, God meeting his people, God showing up and surrounding his people. So when we say or sing or we pray that we want revival, we are saying we want more of God. We want more of God. We want more of God to pour out on us. We want more of God in our hearts. We want more of God in the atmosphere. We want more of God in the plans. We want more of God in our days, in our Monday, in our Tuesday, in our Wednesday, right? And and there are different kinds of revival, and Jonathan Edwards talked about this too. There's corporate revival. That's when God says, I'm going to meet a group of people. That's when on Sunday morning we get together and the power of God comes upon us in a significant way, and together we experience corporate revival. But there also can be individual revival. 
And that's where our, the Holy Spirit meets us personally. And here's the thing, we need both. We need both. We need both individual revival and corporate revival. In fact, I would reckon to say, I just said reckon, I don't know where that came from, but I would like to say that when we have individual revival, when you are asking for more of God every day of the week, and then you come in this place and you sit next to somebody else who is asking for more of God, we are in a better position to receive revival than we were if we didn't. And so this individual revival is such an important piece of corporate revival. And scripture ties fasting and revival together. So I want to take us to the book of Judges. Uh, God is, um, is, is interacting with his people, the people of Israel, and they keep rejecting him. Uh, they keep turning to idols. They keep um, saying, yes, God will follow you. And then they get distracted and then they aren't following him. And, and each time the Lord punishes Israel by allowing the surrounding nations to attack and defeat them. And every time they're defeated, the Israelites turn back to the Lord and beg for his help. And this is the cycle over and over. And when I read it, sometimes I'm like, those Israelites. And then I think, okay, that's my story. Is anybody else's story? <laughs> like, God, I'm never going to do it again. Here I am doing it again, right here. <laughs> God, I'll never do it again. Here I am doing it again, over and over and over. God, I need your help. I thought I had this in place, and now there's this other problem. I, I thought I had this under control, and then I saw the person in Walmart, right? We need that comp- grace over and over and over. And so God says, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send special leaders, they're called judges, who will restore the people to righteousness and enable them to defeat their enemies and actually have victory. And each judge led a few tribes. However, none of the judges brought the entire nation together. But then God calls Samuel to lead the nation of Israel. And Samuel was a prophet. He was a priest. He was the last judge to lead Israel before a king took over. Because actually the the people then demanded a king and then they wanted a monarchy. And so God says, okay, if you want a king, I'll give you a king, even though my, my plan was a judge. And Samuel did something that no one had ever been able to do before. He united the nation He got everyone on the same page to fight against the same enemy. And do you want to know how he did that? I'm glad you asked. 1 Samuel 7, 5 through 6. Then Samuel said, assemble all of Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And on that day, they fasted, and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. So here's what Samuel does. He calls a nationwide fast. He says, look, here's what we're going to do. We need more of God. I know how to get more of God. We're going to fast, and we're going to do it together. And he says, we're going to have a nationwide fast and confession. And through that came revival. God poured himself out on the people. God showed up. God met, God met them where they were, and the nation was changed. Now, we can't skip this part of Samuel's strategy, though. I want to go back to verses 3 and 4. I, I just read you 5 and 6. It says, so Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then rid yourself of the foreign gods and the ashtoreths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bales and ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Okay, this is really important because Samuel did not introduce the fast for revival for the people without saying, we have to get ready. There is some serious preparation for revival. 
And he required that the people put away the foreign gods and, and that they had accumulated and commit themselves wholly to God. Now, in the 21st century, we don't often have like physical gods we have to put away in the closet or burn in the backyard. But what he is trying to say is this, revival requires surrender. Revival requires surrender. If you want a move of God, if you want God's presence, we have to get ready. And how do we get ready? We have to surrender. Before revival comes, we have to recognize what is in the way of revival. Samuel, he knew, and he sat down and said, all right, these are the things. Like We can pray all we want for revival, but if this stuff doesn't get out of the way, it's going to get in the way. And so Samuel says, go take all that, surrender it, put it away, put it behind you. And so as I was preparing for this message, I said to the Lord, all right, so God, what is it? What is it in my life? What is it in Erie First's life that we need to get put away, that we need to get rid of what is in the way of our revival? And, and here's what God said to me today, that some of us have sinful habits and specific sins that we're engaging in. And they are in the way of your revival. Some of us have memories and pasts and trauma that we need healed because they are in the way of your revival. Some of us need to clear our schedule because we're so busy. If God walked through the door today and said, I'm here to give you revival, we would say, oh, I'm late for a meeting. Often our time is not surrendered to the Lord and we don't have revival. Some of us have unforgiveness. We have a fence that is literally stealing our anointing and stealing our revival. So here's what Samuel says to the people. And here is the timeless universal truth I want to share with you today. Samuel says this, listen, so clear the stage. Like empty the room. Unlock the door, make straight the path. Those are all things for saying, take care of it. Stop ignoring it and take care of it. Stop saying, I'll figure that out later and take care of it. What is in the way of your revival? What's in the way? What is in the way of our revival as a church? God says, listen, take care of it. You want revival? Take care of it. Uh, when I first became pastor uh, about six years ago already, holy smokes, time flies when you're having fun and there's a pandemic. Um, but uh, when I got here, the finances were um, a, a little upside down. We had some work to do. And, and before I had come, uh, there were some decisions that they couldn't give, make good on their missions pledges because they, we didn't have the money to do that. And so missionaries that we had promised money to, uh, we had to stop uh, giving to and say, hey, we can't afford to give um, these pledges to you right now. And um, I had gotten that information early on and as being a pastor. And, and the Lord said to me, uh, you, do you want, you know, to be a financially healthy, thriving church? Of course, Lord, I'm praying about it. God, what do we do? What, you know, we can buy paper cups instead of plastic cups, right? We can, we can turn the water fountain down to low. I don't know, whatever. We're thinking all these things. And the Lord says, listen, I want you to make good on those promises. And Pastor Danielle, Danielle and I got together. We looked and that number was astronomical. I mean, it was so, there was no way we were going to be able to go back to those missionaries and say, here's all the money. And God says, okay, I just want you to do it piece by piece. And so for four years, four years, we worked 
and we, we cut checks, $480 to this missionary and $1,200 to this missionary. And the ones that we, that we had missed our pledge and, and we sent the, the, the checks and almost every missionary got it and said, what, what are you doing? Like, I've never had a church do this in my life. And we said, well, we just feel like we need to make good on the promise that we made. We, we need to make good on the promise that we made because that is in the way of our revival. <laughs> like, if we ever want to be a mission-sending church and a missions-giving church, if we ever want to be financially healthy, we have to say, look, we made a, a, a kink in the process of the blessing of God, and we're going to make good on it. We're going to take care of it, and we're going to make sure. And I want to tell you, I'll save this for the business meeting. But when you come in two weeks and you hear about the miraculous nature of the church finances right now, you're going to be blown away. But I want to tell you, the only reason that happened is because we sat and said, Lord, where is the break in the blessing? We're going to work to repair that. And as you gave and as we made sure that was right, the Holy Spirit has begun to just pour blessing after blessing on our church. And as you've heard, uh, we're going and we're sending and we're giving in ways that maybe we never have, at least in the last short season, because God is paving a way because we said what is in the way of our revival. Now, maybe to you, the answer isn't very obvious. Maybe you're not sure what is getting in the way of you having more of God. But I want you to know God can reveal to you the hidden or secret things that are within you. God can reveal that to you. Fasting peels back the layers. It reveals sometimes even what we don't know about ourselves. You can use this psalm. I pray it all the time. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So one of the key elements to revival, Samuel says, look, first you have to figure out what's in the way, and then you have to confess and repent. You have to confess and repent. Now the people in Israel, they were truly sorry for the ways that they had rejected God and and rejected his ways. And they weren't just sorry because they got caught, and they weren't just sorry because they needed something from God. They were sincerely sorry for their sin. And you might say, Pastor, how do you know that? How do you know that? Well, here's how I know. They were sincerely sorry because they stopped doing the things they were doing. They stopped it. They turned from their sin and they stopped. And so if you would come to the Lord today and you would say, look, I'm really sorry for the things I'm doing that aren't pleasing you, the Lord would say, great, uh, if you're really sorry, you'll stop. You need to stop, do whatever it takes to put yourself in a position that you're living holy for God. And this confession part is really important in the scripture. We we find it actually in in many different parts of the Bible. I want us to look at James 5 um, today. Uh, This particular passage says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And now, I think it's interesting in the scripture, it's talking about someone that needs um, prayer for, for being sick, needs healing. Uh, and I feel like it's, it's a little odd in there that it says, uh, so confess your sins to each other. What does that have anything to do with healing? How, how does this have anything to do with the effectiveness of prayer? Well, here's the connect. Confession is a form of prayer. And this form of prayer is so vital This is what James is teaching us here. This form of prayer is so vital that it literally impacts the effectiveness of all the other prayers. 
So you can pray for healing. You, you can pray for healing effectively and with sweat on your brow and you could say all the right things. But if you have not confessed to the Lord the things that are wrong in your life, even that healing prayer will not be as effective. Do you see how he's linking this together? Confession to, a, to one another in the body of Christ is essential because it allows us to, to make sure that sin doesn't isolate us. You know, sin wants us all to itself. The way sin can keep us captive, the way sin can put us in a position to perpetuate the sin is to keep, like, as long as nobody knows. As long as nobody knows those things, sin can grow. But confession supernaturally breaks the power of sin. That's how it's designed. Confession supernaturally breaks the power of sin. So in this uh, passage in James 5, he's saying, look, if you've sinned, they will be forgiven. So confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed because confession supernaturally breaks the power of sin. It's important to remember another person cannot forgive you of your sin. The, the reason why you sit and tell someone else about your sin is that uh, it, it releases you. It gives you freedom, but that other person can't forgive you. Jesus is the only one who can forgive you of your sin. Confession is both to each other and then in private to Jesus. And it's really important to do both. Confession is a huge part of the equation when we want and need revival. You know, God gives us the conditions for revival in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And this verse is introduced with a, with a conditional uh, phrase. It's if, okay, if. This is what it says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So what comes first? Confession, repentance, forgiveness, then healing, then revival. What's in the way of the revival? Well, confession, repentance, and forgiveness will take care of it. And then we can receive healing and revival. I want to end with this. Years earlier uh, in this passage we're studying, the Philistines had defeated Israel. Remember when I was telling you that the, uh, the Israel was in that cycle where they just kept losing. They just kept being defeated. Well, the Philistines defeated them. And the Philistines, as their battle prize, they said, we're going to take the Ark of the Covenant now, the Ark of the Covenant was a really important piece of Old Testament history, and it was where the presence of God dwelt. And so the fact that the Philistines took it was devastating to the Israelites. I mean, they were just, they took the most precious thing, the presence of God. That's what they took out of their camp because they defeated them. And I want to read to you in 1 Samuel 4, um, the Israelites are responding to the loss of the presence of God. And it says this, the wife of Phinehas was pregnant and near the time of the delivery when she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor, she gave birth, but she was overcome by her labor pains. And as she was dying, the woman attending her said, don't despair, you've given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay any attention. And she named the boy Ichabod saying, the glory has departed from Israel because of the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Okay, so here's what's happening here. This woman is dying herself. She's losing her life. 
She just lost everybody important to her, her her father-in-law, her husband. She birthed a son and the midwife says, listen, having a son at that time was like so important, it was so valuable, it's how your lineage went on. And and she said, don't worry, you have a son. And the scripture says she doesn't even respond, she doesn't even pay attention. She's not even rejoicing in the fact that she has a son. And you know why? Because this woman is so grieved that the glory of God had departed from Israel. Nothing mattered to her anymore. Her own life didn't matter. Her son didn't matter. The people she lost didn't matter. She said, listen, we are so in trouble. The people of God are so in trouble because the glory of God is not here. I am so desperate and broken and frustrated that the glory of God is not in my home that I can't even respond or pay any attention to this miracle that's happening right before me. Phineas' wife was broken. She was frustrated. She was desperate. She was not content with that. And so she, she just confesses and she declares, name him Ichabod. I have lost the presence of God in my life. I have lost the presence of God. Our city has lost the presence of God. That's all I can think about. All I can do is name him Ichabod. And I guess the question is, How frustrated are we? Like how broken are we? If we don't feel the presence of God in our lives or we don't have the presence of God in our church, how frustrated are we? How much do we want the presence of God to pour out? Like how serious are we about it? Because that's the question. This example of Phineas is saying, look, there's really nothing else that matters. Like there's nothing I'm not willing to sacrifice. There's nothing I'm not willing to give. There's nothing I'm not willing to do. I don't care how silly I look or how ridiculous I look. I don't care if I'm, if I'm late or if I'm early. I'm gonna stand and say, God, I need you. Like, you're all I need. And if we don't have that, then we don't have anything. And now Samuel, he didn't create revival. Jonathan Edwards, he didn't mail order revival. He didn't come up with a great sermon that just moved everybody. That, there isn't one like that. The people, they just got desperate. Like they got frustrated. The people confessed and they repented and they dug deep and they showed up and they came to God over and over. And they said, God, if we don't have you, we don't have anything. Like if we don't have your presence and there's just nothing left to even live for, there's nothing left to even look forward to. And that is what brought revival in that time. I asked God this morning, just what, you know, what should I say? What should I ask for you to do in response to the word? Sometimes he just talks so clearly to me. He said, well, I just want you to sit down. I said, okay. I believe that he's saying, look, there's, there's revival available. It's here. But I can't preach a sermon to get it to you. We have to want it. We have to confess. We have to repent. We have to be desperate. We have to say, God, you are all we want. Like, that's it. Like, if nothing else ever happens again, I just want you. I just want you in my life. I want you in our church. God, this is why I came today. This is why I'm leaving today. This is why I'm going to come back next weekend. That I'm hungry for the revival. And so here's what God told me. Just tell you this and then just make space for the spirit to move. And that the truth is the response will show how hungry we are. 
as a church for revival. So will you stand? Let's sing this together. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us.
just in your own way right now, just pray for more of God. More of God in your home. More of God in your family. An outpouring of more of God in our church. In the school. (laughs) Wherever your foot leads. God, we want more of you. Just write in your own words. Just, God, I want more of you. I'm praying for revival. That just means more of you, God. More of you. An outpouring of you. Jesus. Just like the scripture says, if my people at 8150 Oliver Road who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, confess, repent from their wicked ways, then, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And so God, we receive it. We take it. We take all the healing that you have for us. God, we're trusting you. God, God, forgive us for wanting to control it. Forgive us for wanting to, it to look like we want it to look or feel how we want it to feel. Forgive us for wanting to be comfortable or for wanting to understand everything you do before you do it. God, you are bigger than us, and so we trust you. We receive what you have. God, we pray that we would have a fresh new anticipation as we walk into these next uh, months and, and year, God. We love you. We praise you. I thank you for your goodness today. And it's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.